0: Welcome, everyone, to Episode 5. We're already at 5 of the Sunday Drive. I'm um, glad you guys could join us this week. Uh, Matt and Chris are uh, taking care of some family arrangements tonight, so I'm joined with uh, David. Uh, so the two of us will be rolling through some exciting topics tonight um, as we get back into the swing of things here. And excited to get going.
1: David, how is your week going? Yeah, it's been a busy week. Work's been fun, but I also had some – plenty of tv to watch plenty of content to discuss so i'm happy to be back and keep going nice i think this is the first night since we started this podcast that it
0: hasn't been like negative 10 degrees in chicago so um (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe we're starting to shift i don't know we probably got another month of craziness before it starts getting into the 30s and 40s again but we'll see how it goes so hey i'm
1: ready for some spring weather too Um, no more (laughs) snow no more cold
0: yeah absolutely so as we continue down this the uh, podcast here, and as we kind of transition and get into more of a week the week type thing, um, something that's really important to us is peace. So we've gotten a lot of uh, interaction on Twitter, um, some healthy debates going back and forth about future uh, big fours and things like that. So we, we love that stuff and we want to make this more of an interactive show. Obviously we love talking amongst uh, the four of us and bringing content to you guys, but something that's really important to us is to hear from you guys. We want to, we want to know a, what you want us to talk about. Uh, we want you guys to to call in or email us and, or tweet us and, and say, Hey, you guys are crazy. (laughs) You know, there's no way that, uh, LeBron is going to do this or that. Um, you know, we want those healthy sports debates because that's what's so amazing about sports is that regardless of our backgrounds and our differences, sports is the one thing that when, even when we're arguing, we're still all about the passion of sports. And it still brings us together, even if we're on opposite sides of the of the argument. So that's huge to us um, on this podcast as well. So we've got a bunch of different uh, avenues set up so you guys can reach out to us
1: um and david
0: wants you to tell everyone where they yeah can find so us. as
1: john said certainly we want some interaction and engagement it's been fun so far but just to keep growing that uh so two areas first facebook and twitter uh you can just find us at at sunday drive underscore pod uh just again that's at sunday drive underscore pod get on there shoot us a message you can debate with us tell us what you're looking for we'll be happy to take suggestions you know into future episodes uh, if you have any comments you know you can send us a quick email at the sunday drive podcast at gmail.com and even best if you want have a question you want on the show uh, we have a phone number you can call leave a message uh, we'll be happy to you know take your question put on the show we'll give you our answers or our commentary on that the number is 704-251-9455 so we look forward to hearing from all of you out there um, hopefully getting some good more commentary coming our way yeah.
0: Thanks so much, David. So uh, it's been a week and a half or so since we recorded. We had a lot of exciting things that have happened since then. Um, one of the big things that's near and dear to our hearts um, as Carolina fans and Matt uh, being our lone Duke fan is uh, we had a Carolina Duke game last week, and it was it was a, a exciting one, and it was certainly an interesting one. Definitely. To say the least. Um,
1: David, what did you – what did you take oh, out of that gosh. game? Well, I mean, first thought that everybody was talking about was Ion shoe. I mean, that was just crazy. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that where a shoe just literally rips apart, explodes. I mean, you got, no, he's a huge guy. There's a lot of power and force when he plants his foot, but still, that's just crazy. So obviously he's going to the NBA, you know, he's going to get a big deal, but now's a great time for Adidas, Reebok, Puma to come in and offer some great deals. So, If Nike wants him, they're definitely going to have to up their offer to keep him after that incident. I mean, it was on national television. It was all over the sports center and every news outlet the next day. Uh, But just as far as the game goes, I mean, it was fun to watch. Uh, Duke obviously has some very talented guys who are probably going to the NBA. So while Carolina won, a lot of people said, well, if Zion played, you know, it would have been a different outcome. So I don't think Carolina got the credit they deserve for still winning. Obviously, they're an older team, whereas Duke has a lot of freshmen that play. But I, I was very happy with the ending. Uh, obviously, as a Carolina fan, I was like, always wanted to win. It's been a great rivalry that's pretty even throughout the years. So I was happy with the way it ended. Um, you know, they've got one more game coming up soon, so in March. So I'm looking forward to seeing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that was the big thing for me. So there's I have a couple of friends here that graduated from Duke. Um, and yeah, they live <laughs> in Chicago now. And I texted him before the game, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm like, you guys are probably going to kill us tonight, uh, but hopefully it's close. Um, and who knew that 33 seconds into the game, Zion would blow out a shoe. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I've never seen anything like that before. Um, it's, you know, we had hashtag Nike gate, <laughs> hashtag Nike blowout. I don't know. There was yeah. several other ones rolling around. But, yeah, I mean, I told him, too, you know, as a Duke grad and i said he's a huge basketball guy um as well and i said you know as a carolina fan that's not how we wanted to win that game because as you mentioned a minute ago the only thing anyone was talking about is zion after that game it wasn't talking about that carolina had like 70 points of the paint and they just absolutely dominated the inside game with with zion out the only thing we were talking about is one the shoe and you know if if Carolina would have even had a remote chance of winning that game if Zion had played, you know, more than thirty-three seconds. So, you know that that drives me crazy. I told him, you know, we want to play the best, so that way when we beat the best, we know (laughs) that we've we've accomplished something. So, I'm looking forward to that recap or excuse me, the the rematch. Um, I think that there's a good chance that he's going to come back for that game. but we'll see. I mean, switching over to the Dean Dome, get a little bit different atmosphere, even though, you know, they're what eight miles apart. But I mean, this is one of the top, I would say two to three uh, biggest rivalries oh, of all the sports. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to, I know there's some, probably some you know, European football rivalries that are pretty heated up there, but you know, you got in the States, you know, you've got bears, Packers, yeah. you got Duke Carolina. I mean, the the hatred there is is unbelievable we love it uh the passion on both sides so i'm looking forward to the rematch uh hopefully you know i kind of hope zion's playing and that uh we Mm -hmm. get a chance to to show what we're capable of um but yeah it'll be be good to see
1: duke go down again
0: so early prediction (laughs) yeah absolutely and who knows we uh you know we like you said we play again um here in a few weeks and then you know, going into the tournament, the ACC tournament, things like that. No telling how the bracket will roll out. Who knows? We may end up uh, playing each other again in the ACC that final or fun. something to that nature. Yeah. So, I think Duke's got a one heck of a chance to make a run for it. And I would say they've got to be, you know, certainly with Zion for sure. They're in, still in the title contention without a doubt. Um, hopefully, Carolina can get to keep rolling um, as we go down the stretch and you know maybe make a surprise okay. run for all of us uh you know fans, the ACC's
1: so. loaded so without a doubt I at least think one AC team whether it's one of those two or even Virginia it's going to be in the final four so
0: yeah, yeah I could see yeah. like even like Florida State or something like that getting hot too, um making a run for it so yeah. we'll Mark see Randis,
1: a few weeks away so, so
0: it's coming soon so we jumped on the uh, the Nike gate thank you blowout uh, trend as well, and so we threw out a poll question, and Dave, I want to get your thoughts. So the question that we threw out was, should Zion Williams sit out the rest of the year, um, knowing that, I mean, unless something crazy happens, I would say he's got to be the number one pick um, in next year's draft with his size and his agility and and everything else that he brings to the table. So knowing that you know he's a freshman. Uh obviously he knows – he's very familiar with the Duke-Carolina rivalry and the tradition of Duke basketball and things like that, with Coach K being there. But knowing that he's not getting paid mm-hmm. and that he's set up for many, many millions of dollars and, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that future shoe endorsement and everything else coming right down the pipeline, and we're talking just a few months away, should he sit out? Uh, 75% of everyone that answered our poll said yes, which didn't shock me. But what yeah, do you think? So...
1: I mean, as a Carolina fan, I want him to play just so we can see him play. But, you know, kind of looking back, Kyrie Irving played for Duke. He never actually played Carolina at any point. Um, But he's you know doing quite well in the NBA right now. So he had an injury. It was obviously more serious than what Zion has right now. Something that's interesting is that afterwards, we saw his insurance policy. So if Zion drops below the 16th pick, he's guaranteed millions of dollars. I think it's only like eight million dollars or so which i mean still a huge chunk of money but you still have to drop yeah, below 16 whereas right now he's projected at one if he stays out maybe two or three or you're getting like 30 to 40 million on a guaranteed contract so that alone is a huge look so i don't know i've seen a lot of nba players tweet at him saying just sit out you know you're not getting paid you're putting your body your career on the line for a few basketball games so I'm not a huge fan of the college one-and-done rule. I think guys should be able to just go to the NBA as they want, not be stuck in college and you know, risk a major injury and see their dreams derailed. So I would not be surprised if he sat just knowing the people he has around him, the support he's getting, um, just save his body, start preparing for the draft. You know, it's become kind of common in college football where some star players are not playing in uh, their, their title games they're not playing for bowl games they're sitting out just you know preparing for the nfl draft because they don't want to you know get some freak injury and acl tear and then their stock drops and they get picked in second round third round fourth round so okay. i think he's going to sit out i i'll say i'll be surprised if he comes back unless duke is making a deep run in the tournament but i honestly don't think he'll be back even in the acc tournament
0: yeah, I wonder if it's going to be more him making that decision or more of yeah. his parents making that decision. Um, you know, they were talking about how he was doing a little bit of, of jogging back in the tunnel during the, the Carolina game. And, um, you know, I, I think he probably could have come back and played in that game, um, you know, based on how he got off the court. And th- I know it looked a little scary right when it happened, but based on how he was able to – you know, walk with just a tiny little limb going off. I you know, I think he could have come back. But yeah, his parents seemed uh, from what I heard came down and I wonder if that was a contributing factor for him not going to back into that game. Um but yeah, I I mean when you're talking about the difference of, you know, thirty million dollars, something like that. It's, huge. it's crazy. And then what what happens if you you know, you have a, a real legitimate freak accident and you know we had I don't remember the guy's name, but you know the leg shattering in the, in the tournament things like that you know you there's so many weird things like coming down from a rebound and you step on someone else's leg and break that ankle or something like that sometimes those things never heal right, and if that happens, you're automatically gonna drop way down the the draft order and then who knows you may you may not heal correctly and things may never be back the same way they were, so yeah I wouldn't. I hate, as you mentioned, I hate the one and done. I saw that this – or last week, uh, I think it was already being talked about again about ending the – or changing the draft uh, rule mm-hmm. from 1918. Uh, so, you're able to get these guys back in from high school. You know, I, I think you should be able to let them do it. Um, one year doesn't make a difference. I get football as much as I have <laughs> some opinions about how football is set up. I get it just because of the developmental size between – you know, a 21-year-old Definitely. and an 18-year-old from a physical standpoint when it comes to football. But uh, basketball is, you know, on a different side of things. I think we should be able to, to let them come right out. We've had guys mm-hmm. that have done it and have been extremely yeah. successful in the process. So uh, some of which we'll talk about later. So, yeah, I I think this is going to be an interesting story as we get, keep moving forward um, to see. They haven't listed as day-to-day, but um, who knows? Maybe we should throw out a pride <laughs> that bet on there as to when the next time we'll see him. Uh, in an actual uniform. So anyways. So the other big thing that we had uh, since we last recorded was uh, right there in in the queen city Uh, queen city represented very, very well um, and had the the all-star weekend NBA all-star weekend down there Um, was a pretty exciting time. And it seemed like it got, I got a little, excuse me, a lot of good press and seemed like the players really had a good time. Uh, It seemed like Charlotte represented itself. Well, um you know they've had a few big events but this may be one of the bigger sporting events Mm -hmm. that they've had in quite some time um so yeah it was cool to see them see them shining on the on the national scale um so dunk contest uh what did you think Uh, about that
1: just overall i wasn't very impressed which is sad to say the dunk contest i mean you had spud webb dr J. Vince Carter, Michael Jordan, you had all these legendary guys who were doing new things almost on a yearly basis. So it's gotten somewhat stale and no guys can only get so many attempts to dunk and then they're done. But once it, you know, you get your first dunk going and then you miss it. So you go back again and again, it gets a little old and you know what the guy's trying to do, but the scoring seems off. Everything's either like a nine or 10, or if you miss it, it's a seven. So it's (laughs) like, you're still going to get a pretty high score for not doing anything. So, yeah uh, if, if if you if you don't even
0: complete your dunk, to me, yeah, how do you I, even get points? I mean, guys were getting yeah. sevens, and they're, I mean, five attempts later, they still haven't. They're, they're exhausted. They can barely even reach the rim anymore because they're so tired because they've been running back and forth five times, and they're still yeah. getting sevens from everybody. How I,
1: does that even work? I don't know. The I think the whole thing just kind of needs a a look, a refresh, get something new going, get some of the better players in there maybe to think of some new dunks to do. So I don't remember the name, but one of the guys tried to jump over like a paper airplane. He broke the airplane. So he didn't get even like two feet (laughs) off the ground. So there was not a lot of creativity (laughs) overall. Um, One thing I did like the guy from the Thunder kind of jumped over Shaq a little bit. There was a little push off on his shoulder, but, you know, he hung in the rim. So that was kind of cool. Just a little Vince Carter tribute there, but I don't know. I wasn't, isn't, excited as i was going into it i was kind of let down afterwards but i'm hoping to get some tweaks into yeah. it in the future i mean you gotta think like at
0: some point these guys have got to run out of ideas like how do you how do you yeah. continuously think of new things every single year i mean we've we've jumped <laughs> over cars jumped over now this paper airplane we've jumped yep. over shack <laughs> i mean it, it's hard to to be that creative and to think of some things. I don't know. I I feel like maybe something instead of a dunk contest, maybe they should like change it up and do like a I, game of horse. That would be more exciting. And let these guys, you know, like off the chair, <laughs> off the backboard, you know, off the what, Shaq's head into the rim or something like that. You know, I think that would be like much more entertaining to oh, see yeah. these guys, some of the best athletes in the world out there playing a game that they grew up playing as kids and we all played and just see how creative that would, I think, bring the creativity back. That. And, you know, I, who knows if it'll ever happen, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the scoring system is way off. Um, and yeah, when a guy's doing something five times, it, it, it gets old. It's like, all right, well, um, you know, whatever, I thought Miles had a, a decent, like, hometown dunk off the side of the backboard. Um, it was pretty funny on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but they one of the dunks that he missed. I don't know if it was a second round or something like that. Or maybe it was first. I don't know. Uh, they're I'm mixing them up now. But one of the dunks that he missed, they show they flipped to the crowd and they showed a African American woman <laughs> shaking her head, and I think everyone in the whole world I, just assumed that was his mom. Yeah. You know, that was like the classic time where you shoot for mm-hmm. the parent shot, and you know they're excited or not. And then I saw on Twitter that he <laughs> actually tweeted out with a picture of me. He was like, yeah. "That's not my
1: mom." <laughs> Some poor camera guy. So it was probably cool getting to... ribbed in the back, like, yeah. "Hey, you got the wrong lady. It was two seats over for her." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> so. Well. And.
0: Yeah, it's. I think they need to they need to do something to rework it. Um, I like the, the diallo with Shack, but other than that, I wasn't no. blown away. Uh, I was kind of let down. So shifting from that to the three-point contest, what
1: was your thoughts so on that? that I enjoyed that. that it's actually just pure skill and stamina. So there's no creativity. It's just, you know, how good are you? So I knew going in, as we talked about in our last episode, one of the courage was going to do well and – Curry hit 27, so it was the highest in the first round. And, you know, it's exciting to see him just go one after the other after the other. So that was fun. There's some guys, you know, you expect them to do well. They don't. The pressure's getting to them, you know. In practice, they're shooting, you know, hundreds of jump shots, but it's not 30 of them within a minute. So that definitely speeds it up. One thing I did not like, though, is the money ball rack. In the old days, it used to be just four basketballs lined up, and then the last ball counted as two points. Now they have a whole rack where it's just two-point balls. They can pick, you know, their favorite spot on the floor to shoot it from. So I don't – I guess it puts a little more pressure on them to hit those shots to get the scores up, but I kind of wish it would go back to the old way. I was surprised seeing that Joe Harris turned the Nets one. He was definitely an underdog going into it. I didn't really know too much about him, to be honest. Uh, But he was lights out, and, you know, he took home the trophy. He was pretty humble about it afterwards. So – even though we got 26 in the second round, Curry got 27 in the first round. He did better, but you know, it's still how you performed over two rounds and Joe Harris took it home.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, it's all about yeah. that stamina and, and the spotlight. So I was, I was pretty disappointed in <laughs> Seth Curry. Um, I thought he would have a better showing. Um, I know Matt was hoping he'd have a better showing yeah. than I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I, I thought we were, none of us were surprised that Steph Curry was in the final. Um, I agree that I, I like the the old way of the, with the money balls. I think that it challenged the guys to be able to hit quality, very important key shots in different parts uh, of the of the court. So as opposed to just having one rag, basically that's their sweet spot that they can hone in on. So yeah, I like it the old way. Um, the only thing I guess I would probably change about three point contest is I wish there was more rounds, like, Less, like, more elimination okay. rounds so that, you know, and maybe maybe they shorten the time of, you know, how much time they have to shoot for each round so that they're not absolutely exhausted going in. But, you know, it's kind of like the, the home run uh, contest uh, or derby in, in the MLB game. You know, there's more of, like, a elimination process, and these guys are exhausted. You know, I like the fact that they could call a timeout in, in the MLB game and, like, take a quick rest and then go for it. But I think, you know, I wanted to see these guys do a little more. Like I think that, um, you know, had given another opportunity like Steph or Steph could have potentially gone a little bit further and see how these guys do
1: over a longer period of time. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's a Poops pretty – I actually like that idea. And of so just two rounds, you know, if you are a little off in the first round, still have a chance to advance a little bit and maybe heat up going into it. So that, yeah. would, that would be a good tweak.
0: We'll see how it is. It's uh coming to, to Chicago next year,
1: not like I'll be able to afford to go. <laughs> hey, I did look at tickets, <laughs> but be... um, I was thinking in my mind, maybe I can go. Cheapest tickets up in Noseleys are twelve hundred dollars. So I was like, you know what? I can sit at home on my couch, refrigerators right behind me, that'll I'll be fine for this one.
0: Well, I mean, twelve hundred dollars, like that's actually a pretty good deal it... if you if you think about the Duke Carolina that's game like when was like Just to get in the door was like, yeah, $2,500 just to get in down where Obama was sitting. (laughs) I don't want to know how much that that, uh, particular seat was. But yeah, so the All-Star game itself, uh, I thought, I I texted you guys uh, early in and I was like, yeah I'm not really (laughs) doing this. And and I know that that first half is more of just like a show fest, but I actually really enjoyed the second Mm -hmm. half. Like once we I don't know. I don't even remember the halftime score. It was like 80 yeah. to 70-something or something like that. LeBron's team was down a little bit. Um, I was, really wasn't enjoying the, like, just nope. stand there and let guys run around you and dunk the ball. Uh, that wasn't <laughs> doing anything for me. But second half, we started to see, you know, definitely not normal game defense, but certainly some a little mm-hmm. bit of pride coming out with these guys. And, um, you know, it, the game started to heat up. It's, it felt more like... An actual basketball yeah. game, um, as opposed to just like a free for all. So I really liked the second half. Um, it's interesting to see these guys play together. I like the setup, so that uh, you had you know teammates, some teammates playing against each other, some best friends,
1: pay, you know playing against each other. It was a nice like kind of cool rivalries back and forth. To see, if yeah. Could do better. I mean, the first half, I I didn't get excited about going into it. It was just going to be dunks and three pointers, and you know let's try to do a thirty point three pointer, just see how far back you can go and. No defense, so <laughs> I was ready for the second half. And you know, there's some pride on the line. People want to say they won, but winning team also receives $100,000 now. So that's a good chunk of cash, even though all these guys are making, you know, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five million 25000000 a year. I mean, hundred grand is still a lot just for winning one game. So, I mean, yeah. it's certainly held by, you know, a new car, college tuition for the kids, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah. nice to see a little defense. And, you know, LeBron just kind of turned it on with his team, and they came back for a nice win. I did like, at the end, Dirk and Wade getting the little nod, uh, just to get like, an extra player. But I kind of feel like it might be a slippery slope. I mean, it was like a lifetime achievement in the war, not a, hey, you've been great. You're going to be an all-star. So I'm not sure how that'll go in the future. But I mean, it's still nice to see that, because they're both going to be retiring at the end. Uh, d- but definitely yeah. way too many three-pointers. Um, overall, I think they were 62 for 167. 167 just three-pointers, which is more field goals in a normal NBA game from all field goals. So guys just come in, jacking it up, and you know most of them didn't go in. But fans liked it. They had a good time. Players seemed to have fun. So it was nice for Charlotte to have it. It was nice seeing Michael Jordan there kind of passing on to Chicago, which is where he played. So it'll be a good transition going to the Windy City next year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Maybe uh maybe right. I'll win the lottery in the next uh twelve months and be able to there steal a go. ticket to get down there and yep. see these guys in action. So <laughs> we'll see. So before we move on to some other NBA related topics, uh why don't we take a quick second to, to pay some bills and thank the sponsors and
1: we'll be right back in just a few minutes. <laughs> Right, and welcome back to episode five of the Sunday Drive. Just again, want to thank our sponsors for helping facilitate this podcast. It's certainly great having them, and make sure you go check them out uh, once you're done listening. But as we were just talking about the All-Star Game, LeBron's team came back, one it all. Uh, LeBron, you know, he's been an amazing player for years. I mean, Everywhere you go, you see LeBron jerseys. People love him. Some people are happy he went to L.A. Some people are mad at him for going out there, you know, just following the tradition of, you know, best players who are out there for the limelight in Hollywood. But, I mean, he's breaking some records. He's setting some records. He was the youngest guy to reach 30,000 points. He was 33 years old, 21 days. And then he was the youngest to reach 32,000 points. at 34 years, 37 days. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous to think but he's basically our age. And he's, you know, top five all-time NBA scoring. So, he's coming pretty close to Jordan, who I think we would all consider the best basketball player to ever live. Uh, Jordan's currently fourth in – LeBron's roughly 150 points behind him so I don't know in the next few games or so maybe the next 10 games if he even slows down a little bit he should overtake him for fourth place so there's always that debate going on between LeBron and Jordan who's the goat who's the best and you know people have their opinions on that but i mean that'll be one record that he does overtake him in so that's pretty cool and you know with LeBron his career average is 27.1 points per game so if he just stays healthy uh, father time doesn't catch up to him, make him slow down. Uh, It's going to take him a little bit of time, but again, roughly 10 games, he's going to pass Jordan. And then there's only three guys left ahead of that Kobe, Carl Malone and Kareem. So that's kind of the, the who's who of scoring. Um, He's roughly 61 games behind Kobe. So if he stays on the same pace at some point during the next season, he's going to pass Kobe for third place. Uh, so, I mean, probably next year he's moving up. And then Carl Malone is at 36,928 points. So that's, again, roughly staying on the same pace at 27 points a game, 183 games to go. So and that's roughly in the 2021-22 to 22 season he could become second all-time. Obviously, you got to factor in, you know, he's going to slow down a little bit, probably take a little bit lesser role, especially, you know, when other superstar comes out to L.A., you won't have to carry the scoring burden. Uh, that's also, at the same time, he's going to make his last contract with L.A. So it's going to be interesting to see, does he stay in L.A. at that time? Or does he go somewhere else to team up with other guys? Uh, so that's probably going to influence a little bit if he wants to chase records, chase rings, get cash. So last on the line is Kareem. You know, he's kind of the godfather of scoring, of Basketball, he's a giant. He's still a present in the game. I mean, he's at 38,387 points. So from today, it's going to take him about 236 games to get there. So if he goes deep into the playoffs every year, that's going to be roughly the 2022-23 season. So he's got another four years staying at the same pace to actually catch up to be Kareem. So... I don't know. That, that puts him at 38 years old, 38, and that's 38 without slowing down, without any injuries, without taking a back seat to anybody else still being the alpha male on every team. So, it's certainly doable. I don't know what the likelihood of that actually happening is though. I I could definitely see him slotting
0: into second place yeah, I yeah. He, he's definitely in a race against Father Time, as you mentioned. I mean, yeah. six he needs six thousand roughly more points to to match Kareem.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how old is Dirk right now? I think Dirk is forty one, and he's retiring. So it's doable. Yeah, I mean, it, so we're saying it's
0: doable. If he could hold on this pace, he'd be thirty eight, three years younger than Dirk. Dirk's still you know, obviously his minutes are coming down some and they're starting to rest more, but he's still got a sweet shot. So anything's possible, but I mean, when he leaves, when that that contract ends with the Lakers, I imagine that, that he's going to hit that swan song contract, you know, that yeah. short deal, a couple of years, something like that. Try to see if he can team up uh, one last time with whoever the, the big three, big four are, mm-hmm. are at that time. Um, and make, you know, one last push for another ring. So I, he's certainly going to be trying for it. But, you know, I you already see that he's starting to slow down more. Um, you know, he had the, the little tweak injury a little bit uh, earlier this season, kept him out for a little while. They've been yeah. cautious getting him back into things this year uh, since that injury. Um, I mean, you know, it is, I've, I'm slightly younger than him and I roll out of bed every day and I'm like, Oh, what truck hit me yesterday. Yeah. So (laughs) granted, I'm not nearly in the quality of shape with LeBron James, but still, you know, once you, uh, you hit that 30, you know, things start creaking on you and popping and, you know, you start having weird noises coming out of your (laughs) joints. So, uh, geez, to be running up and down the court. (sighs) At 38, and with his size and everything, that's another thing to keep in mind. That's going to be tough. Maybe he's going to have to, like, slim down a little bit to, like, keep some of that wear and tear off the knees. I don't know. Well, not slim down, but, like, you
1: know, you lose some muscle mass. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, I've read before he spends about $1.5 million a year just to care for his body from nutritionists, a chef, a personal masseuse, trainers, outside of whatever the Lakers provide. But, I mean – to, that's a crazy amount of money, but it allows him to still, you know, get all the endorsements, still be the player he is. So I mean, it's a good investment. But
0: yeah, I mean, when you think about how much money he's making from a contract standpoint, plus you the Nike deals, the Gatorade deals, all that stuff, I mean, a million and a half or whatever it is, that's you know, chump change for him. Mm-hmm. um So good for him for taking care of his body you know i don't know how or why it should take him that much money to <laughs> to have a proper fitness but i guess when you're bringing in the you know the best nutritionist nutritionist in the world and uh the best trainers in the world it probably has the best machinery and probably certainly you know the recovery pools and all that stuff in his house so hey That's good for him, him for for investing in his his future as far as yeah. you know with his own personal health so um, yeah, I think it's, it's doable, but it's going to be rough. I slot him as number two on the list when he, uh, when he calls it quits, uh, keep Kareem up there as a, the top of the hill. Um, but you got to think that with all the debate with it, between him and Jordan and him and Kobe and everything else, you got to think that he's eyeing that number, uh, every be. single day and, and keep that in his mind knowing that he's, he's close. I
1: mean, 6,000 points is a lot, but. He's he's close to to making this happen. Yeah. So. And you know you mentioned he sat out for a little bit with an injury. It was the first, I guess, kind of bigger injury he's had recently. And you know during that time the Lakers haven't played so well. Um, Obviously they're a young team, so they've got a lot of pieces and their chemistry is really thrown off after that trade deal that didn't happen with the Pelicans. So going into the All Star break, they were twenty eight and twenty nine. That was the first time any LeBron team has been under 500 at the All-Star break since the 2003-2004 season. One, that's a pretty good streak to be above 500 at that point in the season for 16, 17 years. I mean, that's pretty good. But they're in danger of missing the playoffs. I think as of today, they had a 3% chance of making the playoffs (laughs) while also having a 3% chance of getting the number one pick. So, I don't know. Do they... Kind of shut it down, keep everybody healthy, try to move up or tank, I guess, and move up the draft board. Does LeBron want to keep a streak alive and get to the playoffs and try to make a run, knowing they probably don't have the pieces to go very far? Yeah,
0: yeah. I was looking at, um, you know, I think currently today they are twenty nine and thirty one. So we had a couple of games since the break, and things aren't looking any better. They came out of the break, uh, not much better condition than <laughs> when they st- when they left. Um, but the Lakers are when I this was based on numbers from just before the All Star um, They were twelve and nineteen against teams with winning records. Ooh. And then if you look at their last schedule, again this is as a couple of days ago, um, fifteen of their last twenty five games are against teams with that are over 500 that have winning records. So you're right now you're 12 and 19 against teams winning records. And then more than half of your upcoming games to finish out the season are against teams with it's winning records. Finish.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't look promising.
0: No, it, it doesn't look promising that they even squeak into the playoffs. Mm-mm. And then, yeah, to your point, even if they manage to somehow get in, LeBron gets high and does what he did in Cleveland and, you know, multiple times and carried basically the whole team himself on a several occasions. Even if he can do that at his at 34 years old, there's no way they're getting out of the West no. um, with the amount of the quality of teams that are coming out of there. I mean, we we said earlier that you know I think we think the Warriors are going to take that, and I don't know. Houston's starting to heat up a little bit, so maybe maybe there's a chance we have a cool you know. Final there, uh, and that someone else will take the title other than than the Warriors. But I don't see them getting past the first round, you know, over the course of multiple game series. Um, so, yeah, when you got Zion coming out, um, I don't know can can they tank? Can they compete <laughs> against the Bulls and, and tank that much? I don't know. It's crazy. The, the The Lakers are losing, and somehow the Bulls are are winning the last couple of <laughs> games. I don't know what's the Something crazy has happened after this all star break.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's pride. If people just want to win. They don't want to be associated with losing, like the Bulls and some other teams that are near the bottom. So, or since, you know, the Lakers didn't make that trade, do they have all these assets where they trade up for the number one pick? to get Williams and then get Zion paired with him and bring in another guy. So, who knows what they're thinking. I'm sure they had these short-term projections and then looking long-term, what can we trade? Who can we get rid of to get this player X over here to team up with LeBron? And I'm sure he and his camp have say and you know what he wants. Because, I mean, he can command pretty much anything and the Lakers are going to try to help him get there. Yeah, for sure.
0: I don't know. It's, uh, it's not promising. It's definitely is not his year. And there's already a lot of you know, conflict in that locker room because of the whole leaked uh, New Orleans deal and all that stuff. And, you know, you got fans out there chanting, you know, on away games, um, like not worth trading to, (laughs) to other guys. So, yeah, I, I don't think they shut LeBron down. I don't think he'll allow that just because of what we just talked about with the point race. But I think that they may significantly start to rest him. Um, and you know put them in games that should be more winnable um but maybe you know games that he may struggle or games that you know they're unlikely to compete in at a quality level and you know, maybe they sit him those games so that way they're you know at least if they get blown out they can say well lebron didn't play um excuse yeah so uh that's it's gonna <laughs> be fun i don't know any uh, last takes on the, on the lakers
1: yeah, it's, you know, they're in the news every other day. So I'm sure by the time we're here next week, there'll be something else that's happened. So it's <laughs> it's a circus over there right now.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that uh, LeBron would necessarily hate a change in coaching either. So I don't know. maybe that's another reason why he starts to uh, kind of shut it down this year. And maybe he can use that as a reason to, you know, their poor record, LeBron James mm-hmm. on making the playoffs as a reason to, to make a change of the head of the house up there. Wouldn't be surprising. So, okay, cool. Well, let's take one last quick break to thank our last sponsor and then we'll come back for a little bit of racing. So, uh, we'll be right, right back, guys. Welcome back, guys, to episode five. Uh, thanks for sticking with us as we thank our sponsors again. Check these guys out. Um, you know, they're supporting us because of the support that you guys give us. So, uh, return the favor that you give to us as well and, and show them some love like you do us. So uh, thanks to those sponsors. Um, so transitioned off the court, um, had a couple of races now in the NASCAR realm uh, that we want to talk about. Um, so the first one, Daytona 500, we talked about it in our last episode uh, being the Super Bowl of NASCAR, um, you know, New cars, even though it was kind of I guess, technically the same package as they've used before, which had the Mustang in this year, huge race, uh, sellout crowd. Um, you know, we had a lot of skepticism going in because of the, you know, the Xfinity race the day before was single file pretty much the entire time. The clashes were single file. Um, the duels were pretty much single file. So, you know, my money was that this was going to be a pretty, pretty poor race, um, but I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know. What do you, what'd yeah. you think,
1: David? Yeah, I mean, it was better than I was expecting going into it, which was nice to say. Um, obviously, a couple things that people are charged on are huge wrecks at the end, you know, that took out plenty of cars and plenty of unhappy people. Um, once it ended, only 16 of the 40 cars that were on the track um, had not been hurt or had not been touched, not been involved in a wreck, or excuse me. Only 16 of the 40 were there that started, and only three of those have not been involved in Iraq, which is crazy to think that <laughs> every other car has been hit. You know, they're out. They can't run. They've got some type of damage going on. So, obviously, some stuff happened there. Uh, it was kind of funny seeing, you know, Hendrick was on the pole, top four spots, uh, but then Joe Gibbs Racing and the Toyotas, they brought it home. Uh, so, it was good for them. It was an emotional day for Joe Gibbs. First race was after his son passed away, so it was very touching to see the tributes for all, all of that, especially with the drivers coming in. So that was – it was nice to see um, some love for him. But yeah, it was crazy to see, you know, one team on the pole and another team, you know, taking the top three spots with Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, and Eric Jones.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of um, when Kevin Harvick won uh, pa- following the passing of, of mm. Dell and Hurt Sr. Um, he had the good range car out there and did the um, – kind of the reverse lap after one with Mm -hmm. three hanging out the window, you know, it kind of reminded me of that scene. Um, It was cool to see Gibbs uh, have that. I think, you know, the stars align you know, you can see in the post race interview that I think he was holding back tears. I think it was a special day for him. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not a huge fan of all his drivers, (laughs) but I like him as a person. I like what he stands for. um, And, you know, his own personal traits and, uh, it was cool that it worked out that way, and, and what it seemed to bring in it. So, and I was excited about the racing. I mean, it, we it, we had two and three wide racing. We had some bump drafting. It was it was traditional Daytona 500. Um, you know, we had some big ones in there. The only thing that I think killed it, it, or not killed it, but the only thing I didn't like about it was the very lengthy red flags at the end. Yeah. Um, you know, I was joking with my wife and a hundred percent joking. She was like, Hey, how much is left in the race? And I'm like, Oh, at this rate, it will probably be another hour. And, <laughs> you know, there was like 15 laps left or something like that when I said that. So I was like, Oh, sure. There's no way. And then here we are later. It, it, I think it literally was an hour before we got that race going uh, and was able to finish up. So I don't know. I don't really know why we had to have the red flags that we had, um, you know, I think that NASCAR was in a sweet spot. There was a ton of social media being generated. Uh, Their TV audience was tuned Mm -hmm. in. Um, And then I think, I know that they wanted to have like the sweet green, white checkered type finish and have it really come down to the shootout at the end. But I think in the grand scheme of things, they probably would have been better off to stick to the caution, Um, you know, run laps down and have a, you know, a seven lap shootout
1: or something like that, as opposed to having a, very very lengthy red flag so that was a little disappointing but what can you do hindsight's 2020 Yeah, they probably didn't expect it to take that long but yeah just sitting there waiting and waiting kind of like you said you kind of jokingly said oh it should take an hour it should (laughs) take maybe 15 minutes or so maybe 20 at the most to go you know finish those 15 laps and you know hopefully they'll take that move on from there and just kind of i don't know maybe alter policy to make some better decisions going forward to keep fans more involved instead of just waiting. Yeah.
0: So we transitioned from Daytona to Atlanta and it was disappointing, but not surprising (laughs) that that sellout crowd from Daytona, unfortunately did not make its way to Atlanta. Um, They didn't drive North. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't go the, well, I don't know. What is that? Four hours North or something like that (laughs) um, to Atlanta. So, but this was the first time that we got an opportunity to see the new cars. Um, so as we mentioned, as kind of Chris gave us a, some background on in episode four, um, we didn't have the aero ducts that we mentioned uh, are coming actually next race, which we'll talk about in a second, but we did have the taper. So have, uh, the taper being mm-hmm. that essentially a restrictor plate that has a, holes, a hole in it that tapers down and cuts the horsepower quite significantly down, all the way down to 550 horsepower. So it was crazy to see that the speeds were going from, you know, I think the be in, in Atlanta to 190s, probably close to 200, depending on the year and the condition of the track um, down into like the 170s, 160s at some point in the, in the turns. Um, so it really, really slowed the cars down. And I wondered how, you know, I would have been nice to to be at that race and see how it felt to be at the actual race and see them going that speed around that track. Um, but at the same time, I thought the quality of racing was actually really good. Um, so in past years, Atlanta has been known for having guys run out to these massive leads and we had some guys make some runs for it, but with the new package, it seemed like, um, because of the fact that the horsepower was down low, any little mistakes seemed to be magnetized a little bit or, or magnified a little bit. Um, so that, you know whereas before if you got a little squiggly in the turns and and got a little loose um you know you could get back in that throttle and keep most of the momentum and and, and maintain that position whereas this race if you got a little messed up you know you get that bump wrong coming out of the turn um you know guys were able to just close up on you and oftentimes pass you before you're able to get back up to that normal racing speed so it really made the drivers be on their game. I know a lot of drivers from the posters interviews and from some of the pre-race stuff, weren't a huge fan of this package and haven't have been kind of vocal about how they, they dislike driving with this package, but mm-hmm. ultimately NASCAR needs to please the fans. You know, the Definitely. drivers will be there if they want to race, you know, <laughs> they're going to race. So they're not going to just walk away just because they, you know, don't particularly love the way it is. So, you know, they can complain all they want, but, but NASCAR needs to focus, as we saw from the stands on Sunday. They need to focus on getting that TV audience there and bringing, mm-hmm. you know, putting butts in the seats. Um, so, and I thought, you know, certainly there could have been things that, that could have improved, but it was, it was the quality of the racing was, was much, much, much better than it has been in prior years of that track. Um, I think there was some guys that, you know, made some good runs for it. It was interesting that somehow I thought Logano was gonna somehow. I think I had him on my fantasy this last week. I thought he was gonna be able to uh, to make a run for it at one point because of the way the cautions fell. Um, he and one other driver, I think maybe Kurt Bush or something like that, were the only two drivers on the on the lead lap. Yeah. So going into the pits, they knew you know everyone else had already pit, but they're a lap down. So they knew that they had to pit get tires and fuel. But the worst case scenario for Logano is that he ends up in second as opposed to first because you know, all the other teams that they had allowed down would have been behind mm-hmm. them even after they pit. So yet somehow they came out of that pit stop with a loose lug nut. <laughs> so it's like, come on, guys. When you know, like, yeah, I know the track position is key and nobody wants to give up a spot. If you can, you know, if you can be leading the race, you want to. But when you're racing literally one other guy on a pit stop, you got to take a second and say, okay, let's make sure we get this right because that was enormously crucial and ended up costing him a chance at that race. So um, the Penske Fords had a lot of issues across the board, shredded tires. Uh, I don't know what kind of, if they had the camera set up wrong or what, the, you know, I know the conditions of track were very different than what they were planned for. Um, so I don't know if that caused some issues, but you know, there at the end we had Truex closing, um, you know, I think if he had maybe one more lap, he could have caught them. Excuse me, he got caught up in some uh, lap traffic, but uh, it made for a pretty interesting race. The, the The gap there was very, very close to the end. It was exciting um, to see that, you know, potentially we could have the last lap, uh, you know, pass for the lead, yeah. um, which is
1: certainly something that we haven't had for a long time. Yeah, something that, just to piggyback off, that is really nice. You know, the that package kind of forces drivers to definitely, as you said, be on their game, but it makes them... You know, hone in on their technique, use their skill to actually maneuver around and drive and make sure they're getting the right line going around the track as opposed to just full throttle open up and just, you know, race around single file. So I'm sure the drivers, you know, it causes them to work harder to, you know, win. But as a fan, I mean, it kind of takes you back to the old days where drivers really had to hone in and focus on what they're doing. So there's good and bad, there's pros and cons to it, but it was definitely nice to see. You know, drivers taking the time, making sure they know what they're doing going around. So just, you know, I got a powerful machine and I'm going to win.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then we're going from Atlanta to, like I said, we saw partial of the new package to Las Vegas. So Vegas is going to be not only a taper race as far as engines, so 550 horsepower, but for the first time this year, they're also going to use the aero ducts. And if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be almost identical minus a little bit more horsepower uh to the race, the setup that they had at the All Star race last year, which was pretty much a, a it was almost like a, a Talladega Daytona type race in Charlotte. Um I think it's gonna interesting to see if that's what it ends up being. I don't know, you know certainly it was nice at Charlotte that um you know for the All Star race it wasn't a ten second lead for the guy to win the All Star race and it was, you know, a little bit more exciting the fact that it was a pack racing but I don't know how that's gonna transition. You know, pack racing is fun, but if the it's gonna be you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how the draft actually plays into this. The Aero should make the draft much more effective um going into Vegas. So I think instead of seeing, you know, guys being able to pass but still still somewhat spread out, but more of like let me catch this guy and pass him. I think you're gonna see a wad of cars um you know probably not to the degree you do at Daytona, but you're I think you're gonna see a wad of cars together, and uh you know it might be interesting, but at the same time, that's when you might start losing some of the hardcore fan base again, going mm-hmm. back to okay, this feels gimmicky, it feels like um you know like I don't know it's not true to form basically, I felt like last mm-hmm. week's race. Um, was more true to form. It was more of like classic, here's a guy, I'm going to chase this guy, chase, 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 and and catch him and then pass him. Next week might just be, you know, a couple of cars get together and just run off with it and huge runs as we get bumper, bumper, you know, bump bump drafting and everything else. So, I don't know. We're going to see. I hope that my biggest hope is that NASCAR will be smart. And if, you know, if we come out and it's, wasn't a very good race and it was just a giant pack race and not really exciting from that regard. Not a whole lot of passing, you know, before we go back to these tracks, I hope that NASCAR will take into account. Listen, we've got a few months before we get back to a track. Let's go back. Let's go back to just the taper instead of the, yeah. the aero So hopefully they'll transition. But um, yeah, so, we, you know, we have only th- going into three races into the NASCAR season and got what 30, three more races to go or something like that a (laughs) lot of season to go so it's gonna be interesting to see how our predictions play out but uh you know nascar has buzz for the first Mm -hmm. time in a while let's see if they can keep it so and then so uh the other thing that we want to talk about from a racetrack is formula e so for those of you guys that aren't familiar with formula e let me give you like a very quick rundown so Formula E is uh open wheel uh, type car, a single seater. Um, you know, for those of you that aren't hugely into racing, think of, you know, stateside, think of Indy cars, um, think of Formula One, which comes to the States now as well. Uh, think of those type cars. Um, so now that the Formula E is in its fifth year, they've actually come out with a new car, which is very futuristic. Um, I know David, you had some comments about that uh, to talk about, but it's, a hundred percent electric. So mm-hmm. think, of your, um, think of your, you know, Prius. your EV car, <laughs> Yep your, your Nissan Leaf, your Tesla, whatever, you know, think about that and think about that as a racing series. Um, you know, to give you some background on, on the cars. So again, we're going into the fifth uh, year of this, of this racing series. Most of the drivers that are in this series are actually pretty big name guys um you've got guys that a lot of former formula one guys um you've got a lot of former like endurance racing guys so really top talent in there yeah i'm granted that i'm sure a lot of these guys would love to be back in formula one if they could but you have you know this is certainly no slouch of competition um you've got formula or former champions of a major series um you've got 24 hours of uh Le Mans winners, you know, you've got some cream of the crop as far as quality drivers go in that series. Um, The cars themselves are are like this year uh, doing the math uh, from kilowatt hours to horsepower is not an exact science or, uh, you know, I'm not not probably smart enough to do the exact math. But they're roughly about 335 horsepower. So think about like your BMW uh, 3 Series V6 is roughly around that same amount of power. But the big thing about this is weight. So, you know, whereas that BMW is still a somewhat of a heavy car, these things are under 2,000 pounds, so under a ton. That's very light. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, 335 horsepower is not a ton when you compare it to, say, like 1,000 horsepower of Formula One, give or take a little bit on the Formula One side. It doesn't sound like a whole lot, but these guys, yeah, these are actually some very, very speedy machines. So... Uh, their top speed is roughly around 174 miles per hour, um, which is certainly not shabby at all, not at all. Um no. up from about 140 in their last generation cars. Um, and then you think electric cars, electric cars are all really, they're not about horsepower, really. They're really all about torque. So mm-hmm. these cars are zero to 62, um, in 2.8 seconds. I mean, that's, that's, that's blind. That's <laughs> basically
1: like supercar territory right there.
0: Yeah. I and mean, that's just Absolutely. ridiculous. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. It probably will never happen because Formula One will probably never allow it. But if you put, you know, we got it here on Lakeshore Drive out front of Lake Michigan, a Formula One car and a Formula E car and had them do a quarter mile, it might be actually interesting to see, or maybe an eighth mile, we'll say. It might be interesting (laughs) to see uh, who could actually win that race Um, because those zero to 62 times are actually really, really, really close to each other. Um, you know electric cars are instant torque um, yeah. and formula e is or excuse me formula one is, is going more and more electrified as we'll talk about later on in the year um, as they just had some testing so i'm sure we'll talk about it in a soon episode um, but one of the big things that i like about formula e and i've i've been a huge skeptic of it, it i wasn't a big fan of the first generation cars and i wasn't a big fan of some of the tracks they were going to it felt uh, kind of manufactured there was like not real whole you know huddle not a whole lot of room for racing they're in these cities where it was really cramped and very narrow streets but one of the big things that's getting a lot of attention is as we talked about a couple episodes ago so much of racing is all about taking what's on the track mm-hmm. and getting it into the uh, street cars so down yeah. into what you're in your driveway today everything that is in your car when you look into your driveway <laughs> out in that garage right now there's a good chance that 99.9% of that, of that car at some point came off the racetrack. Yep. So as we know with fossil fuels and you know, all the global warming and all these, this push out there right now that electric cars are, you know, they're becoming more and more all the rage. Um, they are the future uh, or some degree of that. <laughs> and so manufacturers are really diving in this. So when you compare this to, You know, there's ten teams in Formula One, and Formula One is the biggest thing in in all of racing. The biggest budgets, best drivers, best teams. There's only four engine manufacturers in Formula One. There's Mercedes AMG, Honda's back into it now, a few years in now, uh, partnering with Red Bull. You got Ferrari, and then you got Renault. And you know these teams have a couple of like support teams underneath them, like quote unquote junior teams Mm -hmm. that they support. But that's it as far as any manufacturers go. And then you flip around to Formula E. So you've got Audi, which has a huge electric car mm-hmm. presence, you know, and yeah. Etron that we talked about in what and was George it, episode car. two, Let's talk about the Super Bowl <laughs> and the episode two commercial. BMW has you know, mm-hmm. they've got their uh i series uh, electric cars. Nissan, you know, they've had a leaf out there and they they're working on some new uh developments of that. Jaguar is now into it, they're and then you've there. got Um, several private tier teams but then next year in addition to those you're also Land Rover is coming in and partnering with Jaguar Mercedes is hopping into Formula E and Porsche so you're talking about what seven eight Mm -hmm. manufacturers already as opposed to four in Formula One Um, it's uh, you know Formula E is is definitely the a little baby brother of formula one but because of the technology that's it's bringing it's starting to really really gain a lot of traction um uh, david i know you've done some research and, and
1: seen some of of the the racing i don't know what do you think of it yeah so just one thing with those cars as you said a lot of the technology that's you know in cars out in the driveways that you see on the road started in a race shop somewhere so even where i work i mean just a couple of weeks ago they were installing more parking spaces for electric cars to go they can plug up at work and i was like you know what i haven't really stopped to think about that there are tons of electric cars at work that people drive i mean it's not a far commute from where i am and it's not surprising like i feel like every week i'm seeing more and more um, so I, d- I don't think it's ever going to completely overtake gas powered engines but there's definitely going to be more of a presence of evs in the next four or five years so I mean, I wouldn't mind having a Tesla myself. I think they're really cool. But looking at this Gen 2 car, uh, my first thought was it kind of reminds me of the Batmobile. Like, you take the (laughs) racing version of the Batmobile, I can see Batman hopping in. So, I mean, it's a very slick-looking car. You can just tell, you know, it goes fast just by the aerodynamics of it, the look. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. One thing that's interesting is it's only designed to be used for three seasons before they go to the Gen 3, which I thought that was kind of short, but and those technology advances, they're going to have to, you know, remake it some depending on what batteries are like or the engines, the engines, I guess. Um, so it's going to be pretty cool to see what they do with this, and then you know new iterations of it going to Gen three in the future. But one of the big thing that's huge is it doubles the energy storage in the range of the Gen one car. So it's going to be huge not to have to swap cars halfway through a race. You can just stay in one car, go around. So you're not going to lose any time off of that. And not, have to have a second car as a backup just to you know finish a race out so it'll be fun to see some of this technology come down you know four or five six years in the future we're going to be seeing some of this you know driving down the street or on the highway yeah i think that's a few things you said there brought up some some
0: thoughts in my head so you think three seasons that's unbelievable because you're thinking that's how fast this technology is in improving and Mm -hmm. development is is so high that in three seasons they're already going to a a totally different Different generation of car which is enormous Um, so right now McLaren is making all the batteries for these cars Or all the teams are using a standard battery so I haven't heard all the details about Gen 3 but I imagine that Gen 3 is probably going to be pushing these manufacturers to start to develop their own batteries Um, obviously they'll have to be within a spec somewhat, um, Mm -hmm. but I think that's probably going to be a big push for Gen 3. And then right now the the teams are able to obviously they have some suspension, things that they can tweak on the way. But right now the chassis are are virtually identical. Um, But the teams are are able to make their own electric motors and their own gearboxes which are two critical components to electric cars. Um, So it's really pulling in all these manufacturers. And you're right. That was the one reason that I wasn't a huge fan of the Gen 1 car and the racing that produced because it, it did feel very gimmicky to see these guys literally pulling into a garage, <laughs> yep. undoing seatbelts, jumping out and jumping into another car, barely even having their seatbelts strapped in before they're flying out of the garage. It just, it seemed like kind of backwoods. I don't know. There was, yeah. it, it was like, what are we watching here? Like, it it's <laughs> like... You know, I know they had to go through those growing pains to get to Gen two and get to where we can have a full race package now and and uh you know, with one car and, and the batteries are twice as long as they are now or twice as much capacity. But those first few few years were while they had some decent racing were somewhat painful because of the car limitations. So it's it's cool to see um the, the transition there. Um and then so two things that make formula e unique is well besides the electric part of it is they use a couple of things to uh change the strategy of a race. so they have attack mode mm-hmm. and then they have fan boost. and so david i know you've been doing some research on it
1: attack mode first what do you think about that yeah so attack mode i actually am a big fan of that i think it's really interesting that so basically what it is drivers can kind of arm their cars and get an extra 25 kilowatts of power and kind of like you i'm not really sure how that translates to horsepower but i mean gives a little more boost to use for a few laps and they can choose when they want to use it so you know if you fall behind going around a curve if you you know run off the track you need to catch up you know it's up to you when you want to use that uh, however, the number of times, the duration, the minimum amount of times driver can arm it are decided one hour before the race. So teams only have 60 minutes to kind of create their strategy, ushering in, you know, there's some unexpected action there. So it's not like you have a plan going into the week. It's just an hour before the race. It's like, OK, this is what we have available. Uh, do we use it here? Uh, what if something happens? How do we what what's the plan? Do we alter it? Do we just stick with the plan we have going into it? So. It's pretty cool from my perspective to see, okay, these drivers can have a little extra advantage when they want to use it, whether use it early, wait till the end. So fans know when it's going to happen. There's a blue halo that's going to light up, uh, letting the fans know, hey, they're, the driver's in attack mode, the car's armed to get that extra power boost. So I think it's a pretty cool aspect of racing that you know other sports, other racing drivers don't have available to them.
0: Yeah, I I like the concept of it. When it first came out, there was a huge comparison to the, it was, you know, everyone was calling it Mario Kart uh, because <laughs> of the way it was set up. Yeah. I guess the, the only two things I like that they give them the ability and it changes the strategy, mm-hmm. and I like the fact that uh, they don't have a whole lot of time to prepare as far as you know how many times they're going to get it and how long and all that fun stuff until just shortly before the race um the only things i don't like about it are one if i'm not mistaken i think they're required to use it um so so, you know when you're talking about which we'll talk about round four here in just a second that just happened a week or so ago when you're talking about guys that are running low on battery capacity and then you say and i I did the rough math i think it's about 60 horsepower so um you know i think that they're actually racing on the race mode i think they're roughly around 270 horsepower um and then when they do the attack mode i think it bumps them up to that full 335 horsepower so 60 to 65 horsepower difference um so it's a huge huge difference um it definitely changes the strategy of the race but i don't necessarily like the fact that you have to use it so you know if you're like pascal verlein in this last race and you are literally starting the last lap with <laughs> Two or 3% left of your battery capacity. Um, had he not had to have used attack mode, even though he was leading the race, maybe he wouldn't have been leading the race had he not used attack mode and been able to defend. But had he not been able to use attack or had he not used attack mode and not been required to use it, he he actually ran out of power going into the last um, like thousand feet of the track. Um, and it, he ended up having a penalty anyways that that race and then drop to sixth place because of it but he ended up crossing the line in like third place so leading the entire race and then literally ran out of juice with about a thousand feet to go before he crossed the finish line had he not been required and forced to use attack mode he probably would have had sufficient battery life to to get through it so that's one thing i don't i'm not a huge fan of the other thing is i don't like that the placement of attack mode so it literally think of You know, I hate to say it because there's, you know, but think of think of Mario Kart. You know, when you're Mm -hmm. you're racing as a kid, you had that special like stripe line in that particular lane you had to cross through. It was kind of off to the side, and that gave you the the boost. That's exactly how this is. So it's not on the natural line. So if you're going on a curve, let's say you have a nice sweeping curve, uh, the the racing line will be on the outer portion of that, so you can carry that momentum through and and then hit the apex and carry through the Attack mode in all these these tracks so far have been, let's say, on the inside line. So what you have to do in order to actually get it is literally slow down. And in many mm-hmm. cases, guys are getting passed by their drivers to, so you can turn and take your car into a line, a driving line that, one, is is much slower, uh, and two, it's dirty. So you got all that you know rubber, you got dust, you got mm-hmm. dirt that has built up over there because it's not being used much. It's not the, the primary line. So guys are not only having to slow down, but then they're going, they're driving through all this crap that's on the track. Um, It gets all over the tires. They're getting squiggly. We've had a couple of guys that have almost wrecked trying to hit it. And then we've had multiple guys that have slowed down and actually missed it. So they've, they've hit like the second line, but they didn't hit the first line didn't clip it enough. So they've had to like, not only have they lost spots, and they had to go all the way back around before they could attempt to do it again. And I don't remember who it was. I saw some guy in like round three, and I think he missed it like two laps in a row um that's just because he couldn't get the angle right that's the only other than that i like the the concept of it i would prefer to use something similar to like uh indy car where they have like a push to pass button so you know you give the guys you know four minutes total throughout the race and they can hit the button as much as they want up until you know use within four minutes and you know use it when they want as opposed to having to go through the special lane but it's interesting it definitely adds to strategy Mm -hmm. um The other thing that they do, which is love or hate, I think,
1: as well, is fan boost. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think of fan boost? (laughs) So, yeah, with attack mode, you had that blue halo. Uh, So fan boost, it's like the magenta pinkish color. So fans still know when it's coming on. But when I hear fan boost, I think of, you know, home field advantage. So basketball, football, baseball, you got your home crowd there cheering you on. You know, they know when to be loud. They know when to be quiet. Uh, it's totally different for this. So a few days before the race, fans can actually get on and vote for their top five drivers that they want to get this extra boost of power. And, you know, voting goes up, you know, right until the race or maybe a few minutes into the race. And then during a the little part in the second after the race, whoever receives this fan boost gets this extra boost of power. So, it kind of makes me think is it a popularity contest is it just hey my i like this driver here or he's been in a lot of commercials that i've seen i don't know the other guy so i want to vote for driver a does it force drivers to well if i want to see a boost do i need to go out and you know intermingle with the fans be more active on social media do more endorsement deals and get in front of people so it, it to me this seems really gimmicky because you could you know fans give it to the same five guys every time and it's, yeah. that, To me, that seems like an unfair advantage to the other drivers on the track who you know, certainly could use it, but maybe they're newer. They might not have the name recognition that some other guys do, and they're just kind of getting left out. So it's definitely not something that I would like. I think it's this does seem very gimmicky that fans can vote, this, oh, yeah, I want this guy again. It's going to give him an advantage to win. So I'm not a fan of this. To me, it just seems like a popularity contest like back in high school, and I don't like it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, they, so FanBoost has been around since the early days. I don't remember if it was, if it came out in season one or season two, but it's been around for quite some time now. Um, and I've hated it ever since, um, it, it rolled out and you're right. It's like, it's literally the same five drivers every single week that get it. Um, and I think these drivers know exactly that, you know, they're like, all right, well I got it the last 30 weeks. I'm going to get it this week too. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's a hundred percent a popularity contest. And mm-hmm. to me, you know, it's one thing to have fan boost when Formula E was first getting started. No one had even heard about this. Um, you know, purists like us, when it comes to racing, you know, we're the thought of having a silent racing series is is still a little bit heartburning to me uh, when I think of coming out of the uh, you know the V8 the Formula yeah. One days and just screaming down the track at twenty thousand RPMs. Going to now all you're hearing is electric motor whine and cars and <laughs> tire screech. Um, so, but I so I, I realized that it was important in the early days to get fans talking about it and mm-hmm. to for, van, for fans to come around and, and give it a shot and say, okay, this Formula E. Hey, there's a lot of uh, former Formula One guys like, hey, let's let's give it a shot. Oh, I can vote for my favorite driver and help them win the race. That's pretty cool. But now that they're in Gen two. And we have cars that can make it the whole way. We have, you know, the Batmobile, as you put it a minute ago. <laughs> you know, this really sweet, futuristic racing-a-bill with more horsepower, more torque, uh, more range. I think they've got to get rid of this fan boost thing. It it seems so gimmicky, and to me, it takes away from the legitimacy of the series, which, yeah. you know, a few years ago, I would have said now, yeah, I don't think Formula E is a really le- legitimate of a series, but now I'd say it actually you know it's it's not formula one but it, i i definitely put it as excuse me a, a legitimate racing series and i think fanboos has got to be the first thing to go
1: yeah it seems just so, like a marketing aspect at first but I mean, it's time to move on from it definitely
0: for sure and for those of you guys that, that haven't had a chance to watch really check out formula e um you know for me it was a a great. One of the reasons I started watching was one again we had a lot of former Formula One guys in there, and, and I mean I'm a huge Formula One guy, but they also kind of raced during the off season of a lot of other racing series, so it really gives you a chance to watch open wheel racing when you know Formula One and Indy Car are kind of on the sidelines taking their off season. So, you know, kind of like the AAF uh, football, if for those of you NFL fans that are missing football for those of you on the racing side of things, this gives you an opportunity to see top class drivers, um, you know, and kind of keep your, keep your feet wet until some of other series that you love come around. Um, they just had round four last week in Mexico city, um, actually on the same track that uh, slightly modified, but same track as the formula one cars. And I thought that was absolutely, maybe the best race that they've had since the series rolled out. Um, you had Pascal Verline was literally right. You know, Leading the entire race, Uh, Lucas Degrassi was chasing him the entire time. We had a a huge accident, uh, which was a pretty exciting moment, a big red flag. to clear everything up. And then it was an absolute sprint to the finish. And because of the the change uh, in strategy with the red flags, things like that, a lot of teams miscalculated their their, um, battery capacity. Mm -hmm. Guys were pushing harder than they should have because – you know, it was like that sprint mentality when we came back to mm-hmm. Green Flag. So we had guys running out on the last lap. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, the leader ran out of, of uh, power with about a 1,000 feet to go. Um, it, was an, it was a really thrilling race. And it, the place was packed. And you could see the fans. They had a shot from the, from the top of the grandstand uh, of the finish. And the crowd was going crazy to see Lucas Degrassi, you know, do a – almost went slideways to get past uh, Pascal Verline's car, which is running out of uh, power. Um, I don't think he expected it a run out. And I literally had to swerve out of the way last second to pass him. It was one of the best ones that I've seen. Um, so if you're stateside, check it out. It's usually Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. Um, and then they have all their, re- their replays on YouTube. They have a big spart- uh, partnership with uh, YouTube. So you can go on youtube.com and check out uh formula e in mexico city it'll pull right up and you can watch the entire race from there so give it a try um for those of you looking for something yeah. to keep your feet wet it's a uh, it's an exciting series and uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know formula one is going to have a new series or excuse me a new car in 2021 um we haven't seen the regulations for that yet right now they're running uh 1.6 liter V6s with a whole whole lot of hyper power <laughs> in it. So maybe in 2021, who knows, maybe we see 70% electric and 30% petrol. Um who knows. I think electric vehicles are certainly enticing manufacturers and you need manufacturers to keep these series going and Formula E certainly has momentum. So give it a shot guys, check it out. It's a great great racing series and it's uh, it's only growing from there. So Uh, so David, I think that's probably all the time that we have. Um, I know we had some exciting, uh, things to talk about this week. And I know we've got some cool things on the agenda for next week as well, as we get uh, more to like an overall sports, uh, mentality and we start talking about big rivalries and biggest busts and things like that. So looking forward to that, it's going to be a very different uh, type episode than what we've done in the last few weeks. So check us out next week as well.
1: Um, so any last closing thoughts for you, David? Yeah, this last thing. Um, as you mentioned, NFL is kind of on the sidelines for now, but NFL Combine does start tomorrow, runs for a week. So all the top college players are there. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about that, of who can bench the most, who ran the fastest 40 time. But yeah, with E, it is nice to see a little bit of racing when I guess some of the major open wheel racing are taking their break. Drivers are at home with their families right now, so... Definitely take some time for everybody out there to get some enjoyment out of that. Get to see some new technology running around the track.
0: For sure, yeah. And Be sure to check out NASCAR next week as well. I'll give it a shot as we go mm-hmm. into that new package. We'll see what Las Vegas can bring to us. So, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week as we when uh, we record, and um, you know we'll see what what the racing world brings to us. So, mm-hmm. anyways. Um, but yeah, so thanks again, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll wrap up and we'll see you guys next week. I'm John. I'm here with David and thanks so much for, for tuning in. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at the Sunday Drive podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to have your sports related question featured on the show, leave us a voicemail at 704 251 Also, if you're interested in staying up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us at sundaydrive_pod underscore pod on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe if you want to hear more. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We sincerely appreciate it. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John and we are The Sunday Drive.